Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio on the score 1260, back in your life. Talking Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball. I'm Gil Gross with Jonathan Hoppy and Hop. You are pumped up about Jim Beheim's team. How could you not be? Really, after what we saw to start the year, if you're not bought in now, I'm not sure what it's going to take. 4-0 and on the road in the league. They've won four straight games. Don't look now, Gil. Could be six straight games, and I know we'll get into that. Something to watch. Something to be excited about. They have delivered yet again. Yeah, this has been a, an interesting turn of events here. It's it's a it's a streak where Syracuse has gone on the road in the ACC and avenged losses that they suffered early in the year, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and to me that encapsulates what this season has been about. Don't you feel like the growth has been so evident here with this team? Game by game, ever since that loss to Virginia Tech, They've turned the corner. I was in Charlottesville for that win against the Cavaliers, and that felt like, to me, the real defining moment for this team. Even though the Wahoos aren't that good this year, they can't basically score at all. Offense is god-awful. Right. It still kind of felt like that Duke game last year where you think you're out and they reel you right back in. And that's the moment that this team seems to click for them Year in and year out, and this year is no exception. It's funny because that trip to Charlottesville felt like, all right, Syracuse is going to going to receive that final nail in the coffin. Right. That's what that trip felt like. All of a sudden, the Orange win. Then they go on the road, Virginia Tech, and you think, okay, this team just pulled off an upset victory, but is it going to go crashing back down to earth? They beat Virginia Tech. This Notre Dame game felt like the game where we were going to find out if this was a legitimate comeback or not. And Syracuse answered the bell. 84-82 win in South Bend. What were your big takeaways from it? Well, they beat the big man. First and foremost, they slayed that dragon. Omeri, you're at seven. You're an A. There's so many different players that have drilled the Orange this year. And they beat him. John Mooney, he got his... But they found a way to win, and Barama Sidibe played his best game of the season. You said it, Gil. This is the game that really feels like the barometer. Last week, on these airwaves, on the score 1260, we were talking about this game being that ultimate test. Well, now they've won. And they only win by two, but they led by double digits, and they trailed by 11 in the first half. Just a great win all around. Now you start to ask yourself, what can this team not do? And surely it's stop when they need to. The defense is the problem. We know that. But they can score at will, and they can win on the road. And in this ACC, you can get in the range of 13 wins, which has to put you back on the bubble. Yeah. And was there a pun intended with their barometer? Get it? I like that. Yeah. You see? Barometer. However you want to make the pun, Sidibe played his best game of the season, hands down. Yeah, for sure. Six for six from the field. Barama had 12 points. And then on the defensive end, 
you know, it, it's pretty funny because <laughs> everyone is kind of in agreement that Syracuse slowed down John Mooney. I mean, Mooney still had 21 points, 13 rebounds, 8 for 17 from the field. His numbers were there. Right, but it just it felt like he was contained. He, he didn't take over which the game. Which is crazy. Yeah. He had a good amount of offensive rebounds, which just kills your momentum. Yeah. Especially when you're a team that struggles to get stops. But they did enough to beat him. That's something you didn't think they could do a couple of weeks ago. That was my main takeaway after they beat UVA. All right, time to get excited because they did something we did not think they could do. Yeah. And now they've continued to do that for the past several games. They beat the big guy. It was kind of uncanny how many consecutive games against a skilled, talented big man. They weren't ready for that. Right. Uh, Of course they weren't. But I'm just saying, it is one game. I'm very, very intrigued to see what Vernon Carey does next week when he comes to the Dome. That's and then, the big one. Right, and then and then we'll see, okay, is has Barama shown growth? But here's the thing. If you watch the game, Sidibe had something about him. He was a little bit bouncier. He was moving better. I mean, th- there was, a I think, the signature play in my mind, the, the two points out of the 12 that really sticks out. I mean, Sidibe ran the floor and actually beat some guys caught a pass uh, and and dunk and you know got himself an open dunk just with how quickly he moved up the he's floor. He's got some moves. We've established that. Yeah. He can make some plays on offense. He just doesn't always do it. He's capable. Sometimes he struggles, turns the ball over, can't yep. catch the entry pass. Yep. Those are things you can't have. Defense has always been the biggest problem and he was good enough. Good enough to win. And he could have been good enough to win against Mooney the first time. You can only slow that guy down. He could be the best player in the ACC. Actually, no, that's Elijah Hughes, who now leads the league in scoring. <laughs> he but passed that's a Nora. conversation for another day. He did. Wow. So Mooney's such an elite big, much like Luca Garza. They've played a lot of good bigs. Let's just get that out of the way. A lot of these guys, Yurt Seven, that have put up numbers, they're legit bigs. SU doesn't really have one. Barama is doing his best to play one, and he did so effectively last night. And the rebounding has gotten a lot better. And I don't know if that's about Barama. I think... Points in the paint, too? Yeah, right. That Syracuse is, has outscored uh, its opponents in the paint now two games in a row. They I'm not sure about the... Vir- past two games. Yeah, I'm not sure about them. the Virginia game. I can check that. But the, the rebounding has gotten better. I think that's more a function of Garrier getting more involved... Dolajai getting more involved. I think those are the two big ones, but you could also give some credit to Sidibe there. With that being said, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech are teams that play a very similar style to Syracuse. Run and gun, small ball, three-point shooting, uh, offensively-minded teams, and right now what the Orange have showed in the last two games is it's going to be hard to beat them in their own game. Well, Virginia Tech can really guard you. That's how they beat the Orange the first time. So they come back, and Buddy Bayheim gets to the hoop. So I think it's the physicality that's getting it done for the Orange. It's the players stepping up. Let's go through everyone that plays. It won't take a while. It's like seven players. Everyone has stepped up their game recently. Dolajai gets to the hoop. He's the glue guy. We know it. He makes all the right plays. He's starting to trend towards a double-double almost every game. Sidibe has stepped up. Beheim can get to the hole. 
just like Elijah Hughes. The physicality for me has stepped up. How about that Buddy Bayheim offensive rebound, put back, gets fouled, yep. did miss a free throw? We have not seen that. That is a nasty ability. He was also posting up Jalen Cohn. We were seeing this sharpshooter do things we've never seen him do before, which makes the orange that much better. And then Hughes gets his every single night. Joe Girard, Howard Washington, those two are combining to be a solid point guard tandem. Washington's playing well, didn't play the other night with some sort of discomfort, lower body. Expect him back pretty soon. And then Quincy Garrier, he looks really solid after being lost early in the year. What we don't hear after these games is Jim Beheim saying, need something at all from Quincy. Those days are gone. Which is massive. I mean, the energy, Had to he, have that. the energy he brings off the bench, the way he runs the floor, the way he, you know, has his physicality about him inside, it really changes the dimensions of the game. But I think it's a mistake by us that it took us until close to eight minutes into this until we mentioned the the addition to Buddy Beheim's game. That is to step inside the arc well, and to, to be shoot fair, two point he struggled goals. against Notre Dame. That's true. Well, he he didn't hit a, he didn't hit a three, but right. hop five. five this is two 14. straight games. Two straight he games. He was due for a bad one. Yeah, but even Gerard, even Hughes. What's been the big difference here for Syracuse offensively? Getting to the hole. That's been the switch. That's what changed. That's it. And early in the season, we love to talk about Syracuse's assist numbers. We love to talk about how they were moving it around the perimeter and and finding threes. But guess what? They were one-dimensional. They could only do one thing. No one was penetrating. No one was finding threes from the inside out, which is your high-percentage threes. Syracuse was getting your low-percentage threes. Ball ball movement around the perimeter when you don't get eyes on the basket. It's harder to get your footwork right. Plus, you don't get those easy buckets. And now that Syracuse has been better on the glass, getting the occasional offensive board that they can put back, and basically becoming a threat to drive. It's changed the offense completely. They have three dudes that can make their own shot at any time. Hughes, Beheim, and Girard. We saw another step back from JG3 last night. That adds to what you're talking about of driving to the basket. It's not yep. just an assist-oriented team where you can go one in and four out even though Dolajai doesn't really shoot the three after he was starting to early in the season, didn't take one against Notre Dame. That can make this offense deadly, and we've seen it. Think about that, too. Late in the game when you need a basket, they've got some legit options because guys can create their own shots. This is the best offensive team for SU that we've seen in years. Definitely in the past three seasons, You might would say that the 2016-17 team could be up there with John Gillen, Andrew White, all those guys, Tyler Lydon. This team, though, is so dynamic because of what they can do now inside and out. If Beheim can get to the basket, create his own shot off the dribble, he's one of the best players in the conference. I mean, he's already a top-five scorer, and he's got the the best shot I saw on ACC Network the other night. Jordan Cornette, they were drafting their all-ACC teams based on different tangible things. Shooting was one of them, and Buddy Beheim was his guy. 
How could he not be? That's a 41% shooter with a beautiful release. He gets that thing off so quick. He knows how to move without the ball in order to find himself open threes. And he's really worked on his pull-up game and working on getting quicker, more athletic. He says he's been working hard in the gym, and it's paying off. And now when teams close out really hard on Buddy Beheim, he might go right by you. I mean, that changes the game. In every scouting report in the country, everyone said, just close out as hard as you possibly can on that guy. And you can't really do that anymore. Right. He can get to the mid-range. He can get to the basket. Pretty good formula for a guy that struggled at times in the beginning of the season, struggled at times last year, really struggled overall until late in the season. He is coming into his own. And before we get to break here, we should mention Jim Beheim continues to be proven correct. And a lot of people wanted to jump ship early in the season. I was one of them. The product was terrible. But he said, we need time. We need time. We'll come to form. Well, they have. Another thing that's happened, Buddy is driving and has created his own shot, which is something Jim said needed to change for this offense to be successful. Well, now we're seeing that too, and he's playing some good defense in the 2-3, where they appear to have made an adjustment to push those forwards up a little bit more, which has completely changed the outlook of this team. Syracuse now 12-7 and overall, 4-1 and on the road. We know how the committee loves that. And we're going to get into that again. What does Syracuse need to do to make the NCAA tournament? I cannot believe we've been roped in again. More Fizz Radio after this. Back on Fizz Radio, Gil Gross and Jonathan Hoppy with you. And it's time to talk about the Joe Lenardi special. I've been waiting all year for this, Gil. Yeah. I tweeted after one game, I think it was that loss to Virginia Tech. I merely tweeted the word tournament. Oh my god, this was hilarious. Replies. All I said was a team with tournament aspirations cannot start 0 and 3 in the league at home, which is totally true by the way. <laughs> Didn't even clarify that it was Syracuse, but it is because of course they have tournament aspirations. And here we are talking about a legitimate shot at the tournament. It's going to take a lot. Don't get me wrong. They're not in right now. They're not even on the bubble. But those that were maybe scoffing at that tweet, I'm looking at you. That was so funny. Because uh, you didn't suggest that Syracuse may make the tournament. You didn't say that, that you know, People there, are there just was so nothing, reactionary. Right. I mean, days. you just couldn't say the word tournament. I mean, it was a, it People was like didn't a want bad to hear word. It after that loss. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I don't but blame them. The same, right. Back to back home losses yeah. to start the new year in the conference. But four straight wins, everything's different now. Right. And oh, that's yeah, all they it takes. lost two weeks ago. I forgot about that. Exactly. They've won four straight, make it five straight today. I was reading YouTube comments, which is never a good idea on Jim Beheim's press conference. So positive. Everyone's hype. People could not be more excited right now. That's how it goes. I was told that on campus today, students were buzzing about the win last night. Everyone's now taking notice, so that puts a little bit more pressure. And what really, Gil, goes from hey, let's just run out here, see what happens. It's been such a bad season, maybe we can turn it around. 
Well, now every game is so important, and you cannot afford to lose a game like Pittsburgh at home. You can't do it. What needs to be done in your mind? What's, what's the deal here for the rest of the season? Exactly what needs to be the goal if Syracuse is going to make it? So it's kind of funny, right? You get two schedule impressions. You get the football schedule that came out this week, and we're going to talk about that coming up next. Really a boring schedule, but maybe favorable for Syracuse. So you get the early season, especially with football. Win, loss, win, loss, whatever. Well, basketball, you can't play that game until it's late January. Then you can start to play it, and if you subscribe to Ken Palm, he goes ahead and plays it for you. Right now, he projects 11 wins in the conference. That would be six more wins after this. That would be six total wins after what we just saw of four straight. I'm going to say they need more than that. So let's take the ACC tournament out of it. In my mind, you take take care of business at home. You've got to win every home game. That's Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, NC State. Now, that's a tough game against the Wolfpack. Right now, that is a tournament team, and DJ Funderburg is playing really well for them. Everyone else, not so much. Georgia Tech, got to beat them twice, even though Jose Alvarado is back. And then North Carolina, really got to beat them. And that is your last home game. So it's a pretty favorable home slate. For the rest of the way, the road games, this is where it gets dicey. I guess before we continue to dive into this and we put this out there for Fizz feedback, how long do you think this winning streak is going to go? I think they beat Pittsburgh today, but then that Clemson game on the road, the Tigers beat Duke at home. It's hard to say, but consistency has to be a concern with a team that doesn't defend really well and really has to shoot but well. But, Gil, they've been fairly consistent uh, in the past four games. Well, yeah, it's a four-game winning streak. But if Which you they look haven't at, done in three years. Yes, but if you look at how this team is constructed, it's not necessarily a formula for consistency. This isn't for... Like, Tony Bennett's teams are consistent, just based right. on how they play. Defense travels. Yep. It's almost always going to show up, whereas shooting can go cold. So you got to be concerned about bad losses sometimes. So do you, you just think do. they beat Pittsburgh today? Yes. They have to, right? Five games in a row. Now Clemson, this is where it gets dicey. So the Tigers, that's kind of a toss-up game. Ken Palm says 46% chance the Orange win. He's got them losing by one point. So say they win that game. The optimistic outlook is they win, they lose to Duke, they can't stop Vernon Carey down low. I think everyone would agree beating Duke would be shocking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely shocking because of that inside-and-out threat with Trey Jones and Vernon Carey. So we agree on that. Wake Forest, NC State, you got to win all your home games, so just skip the home games. This is the stretch that, to me, determines if they're back in the conversation. You need to beat Florida State or Louisville on the road. Those are tough games against top 15 teams. You need to find a way to win those, and then the rest of your schedule, Georgia Tech, Pitt on the road. You could even afford to lose one between at Pitt, at BC, at Miami. To me, it all comes down to this. NC State at home, and then your road games of Florida State, Louisville with Duke also at home, you got to find a way to win two of those games, and then you have yourself a chance moving down to Greensboro in the ACC tournament. Florida State and Louisville are two teams that immediately jump out. If you know how those teams play, 
they're big, they play in the inside, they get offensive rebounds, and just because Sidibe quasi-stopped John Mooney for one game doesn't mean that that there's been a Band-Aid put on this. I still think you have to be concerned. Now, that's so far down the road, and again, I'm very— it is. It's you know how this works. This yeah, conference it goes schedule fast. flies by. It's almost February. Look, look I, again. I think Vernon Carey is going to be a huge barometer. There you go. And I'll I'll get rid of that now. Are we trade enough that enough, or enough with this pun. Okay. Let's get rid of it. Let's toss it. Someone else can have it. <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. That's going to be really interesting to see. And if that goes well, I'll I'll change my mind. Perhaps. But right now, Florida State's one of the tallest teams in the country. Louisville has tons of experience and size. I think the Louisville game is more winnable than Florida State. I think Florida State is tough. I think Louisville, from what we've seen this year, if Jordan Wara's not on his game, they're beatable. And for some reason, here's my argument, though. The zone travels, and teams don't necessarily like playing the zone. So even if it's not as efficient as it's been, you're always just one bad shooting half away for the opponent from being right there and just making something happen. Like, would you be shocked if they beat either Florida State or Louisville? No, but I'd be pretty shocked if they don't lose a home game for the rest of the season. I'd be pretty shocked, Top. Yeah. It's a weak schedule. Well, Duke. So if you're counting that, yeah, I'd be shocked too. Oh well, I, I was I okay. was I was Outside discounting of that, that. They're not yeah. losing to Pitt today. This is based on what we've seen. Now they could, and this could all be a joke. And a week later, we'll be laughing. Yeah, I th- I think you got to be careful. But what have you done? What have you done for me lately? And lately, they've showed that they've won four straight games, and they can get it done in a multitude of fashions. They just won two. One possession games, which I'm not trying to take credit away, but they just won two one possession games against mid tier ACC teams, right? They destroyed Boston that College. That does not who almost beat. Them. Yeah, that wasn't that was an awesome win. Boston College is the kind of win that we don't pay pay as much attention to because Boston College isn't very good. In fact, they're borderline atrocious. But the way Syracuse won that game just screamed. Okay, this team is so at, what's a, it at a pretty take high for level. You? It's just going to take. Look, I I think we're far enough into the season where we know where the this team's strengths and weaknesses are. And, and here's the concern: the concern is that the damage has been done, and because of the way they play, there's going to be some bad losses. There's going to be some good wins. But look, they're twelve and seven right now. They got to essentially run the table. I'm this not isn't sure going to be easy to do. Gonna this is going to require loss, consistency. Though. I'm just that's the thing. How can you thing. sit here and say there's going to be a bad loss accounted for when basically they don't have a bad loss on their on their docket? Because they don't defend very well. The Notre Dame loss pretty tough at home. Outside of that, UVA, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Iowa, they've really taken care. I mean, they beat Georgia Tech by 34 on the road. How about the way they've lost some of these games? 
that was I, early. I, I, and to I see me, what you're saying. I, I don't really pay much attention to that because this team is so improved, like we talked about at the top of the show. I just think I think it's a different team than the one that lost two games in New York City, much like last year was the case when they got thumped by Oregon. I'm just looking at some of the things that aren't going to get better, and I think that this team can beat anyone. I also think that they can put in a bad shooting performance where they don't defend well, and they can lose to a lot of teams. I mean, Jim Beheim has said, I agree with you. Beheim has been on the money, if you've listened to the things he's said, and sometimes I think he shouldn't say it. That's a conversation for another day. But if you listen to the things he's said, he's been right about a lot of things. One thing he said is, if we don't shoot well, we can lose to any team in the country. That's still true about this team. And I love the fact that players like Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim and even even Hughes have stepped inside the arc more, driven to the hole more. Yes, that's adjustments that they've all made to their games and they're better for it. It's the only reason why Syracuse is on a three, well, a four-game win streak right now. They would have beaten Boston College regardless. It's the only reason. With that being said, this team still shoots threes. If, if, and if they don't shoot well, they don't defend well enough to overcome that. And they get out-rebounded quite often. They're not going to get out-rebounded. We have seen the defense improve from basically a game-by-game basis over the past several weeks. We're not going to see them get out-rebounded by Virginia Tech or Notre Dame. They're not good rebounding teams. Notre Dame has John Mooney. They're still not a great rebounding team. What'd you say? (laughs) I think they'll get it done. Yeah. I, I, I really feel like this team is going to have a shot to make the tournament. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not sitting here right now saying that they're going to make it. I think they'll be in position. I think 12 or 13 league wins, followed by a couple of wins in the ACC tournament, depending on their ranking, one or two, gives you a legit chance, and they will be on the bubble, and we'll have to see what the committee looks at. Do they value those ugly losses to start the year where SU couldn't capitalize against a high major opponent? Or do they look in the conference, that, which is admittingly weaker than past years, and say, man, they took care of business? That's the thing also about a weak ACC. This isn't the kind of year, and tell me if you agree, this isn't the kind of year where 12 losses in the ACC can get it done. No, absolutely not. Not a chance. 12 losses in the ACC, you're done. I mean, they, they can't afford that. They have to keep winning, and so far they have. All right, let's get into Syracuse football on the other side of this break. Zach Arnett, we thought he was going to be the new defensive coordinator. Nope. Not going to happen. We'll discuss. Back on Fizz Radio. Back on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, I'm Gil Gross with Jonathan Hoppe. Transitioning now to Syracuse football. And then we'll get back to Fizz Feedback for the last segment as we get set for Syracuse and Pittsburgh at noon. But right now, I mean, what a what a shell-shocking development for Dino Babers, who thought he found his guy, Zach Arnett, who came from San Diego State, was the defensive coordinator, so we thought, for 12 days, Hop. But he went back on his commitment He's going to Mississippi State 
and the search is on again. That's tough news. It really is for a number of reasons. Felt like Babers really had his guy. He lured him in. A Rocky Long disciple from San Diego State ran this weird 3-3-5. I think he had the name for it. I'm missing on it. Fire Ant? That that sounds about right. Yeah. I was going to say, and don't care to look it up because he's gone and that's old (laughs) news, but I think it was. Kind of a weird name, but a defense that Babers thought fit his personnel, and I agree. They've got some good defensive backs. Babers has been successful recruiting those players. Just felt like a great fit. It really did, and it was rumored to be Rocky Long coming to get the job. And now you get a little bit younger Zach Arnett, and then Mike Leach pries him away from Mississippi State. So that that's tough luck. And now they've got to find that defensive coordinator. I think now that you've gone, here's the problem, Gil. You can't just go out of house for these kind of things unless you know you've got the right candidate. But now, is promoting Steve Standard from interim to defensive coordinator a slap in the face? because you passed him over the first time? I just don't know. Is he even on the staff still? I don't know. And these programs are so hush-hush. Those are the questions that come to mind for me. Yeah, Syracuse football is the Pentagon. I mean, good luck. If anyone wants any information about what's going on behind closed doors with, with this program, you're not, you're not going to get it. Good luck. Yeah. At least they send the schedule out. But, but I agree. <laughs> I thought this <laughs> At was a— we have that to talk about. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I I felt the same way. This seemed like a home run hire. I don't even know if this is a, a useful discussion, but we're just reacting emotionally. I felt like this was a home run hire for Syracuse. The personnel, it's a slap the three, in the three, face. Yeah, and you know, did you think about Ryan Alexander when this happened? What Not a tough really. year for Dino Babers. I know it's I just different. Thought about coaches Manny Diaz, Josh McDaniels, those types of things. Coaches Why? that were there for like 20 minutes. Oh, right. Manny Diaz was there for a lot less time at Temple than to Miami. And who knows how many coaches left the job market. Maybe it's not too many, but still, when you commit to a program, they stop their their hiring search. To leave puts them in an awful position. Yeah, it's not great. It it, it It's really not great. But, hey... Got to move forward, and we'll see who they get. So the schedule also came out last week. We weren't really sure where those ACC games would fall. Boston College is going to be week one. Not Clemson. Not Clemson. And a lot of people thought it was going to be Which Clemson. Which is good. You did not want Clemson week one. You're not going to beat them on the road <laughs> any way you slice it. But you'd rather have another game at the top instead of a demoralizing loss to the favorites, likely number one team in the country to start next season. With that being said, the start is what's going to matter here. I mean, Syracuse's schedule is very, it's dissimilar to last year where you had Maryland and Clemson early. If you look at this schedule, the Orange need to win early, then it gets tough late because it starts off with BC, then Rutgers, Colgate, Western Michigan, then you kick off your, your ACC slate. Right. With Liberty in there. I think last year was good for everybody. It was good for Tommy DeVito. It was good for Dino Babers. It was good for us as media members not to just completely jump the gun and hop on the bandwagon like 
not only we did, but every national outlet, everybody was saying Orange Bowl. So when you look at this schedule, what comes to mind for me is, first off, the home slate's not that good. There's a Thursday night against Florida State. That's really the only marquee game. Louisville, solid, but not that great of a schedule. A pretty boring schedule. But what it is, is it's very manageable. At BC to start. That's a game that the Orange can win. He didn't last year, as we know. BC BC loses uh, A.J. Dillon, and that's pretty much their team. There you go. They'll still have a strong offensive line. Rutgers, Colgate, Western games you figure to win and then home against louisville home against liberty don't sleep on the flames (laughs) really they put up a fight week one last year and they've got that quarterback transfer from auburn whose name is escaping me it won't be buckshot calvert so that is a bowl team okay that is a decent team in the middle of your schedule then at clemson so really like you said it comes down to the start that game, week one at Boston College, is massive. No excuses, more experience this year. That's this a should big be, game. Yes, it is. And this should be ACC a team that can to start, start quick. the year. First time they've done that in a long time. And it's a road game against a team with a new head coach that SU has to be ready for. Yeah. There's that, n- that's a tempo setter ahead of Rutgers, who gets a lot of crap, but is a Power 5 team, and Colgate and Western Michigan, two games you'd figure to win. And you've got to beat Rutgers, let's be honest. I mean, you've got to win that game. Rutgers is a laughingstock. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I thought you were going to jump in and defend them for a second there. The other thing is... Well, this they're is still not... Power 5. I mean, they've got bodies. Yeah, but Syracuse is a team that should be able to start faster than they did last year. They're returning everyone in the secondary. Obviously, the most important position is the quarterback position, and Tommy DeVito is not a first-year starter anymore. He also showed real, tangible growth last season. I mean, the interceptions just came to a screeching halt in the latter half of the season. That's true. The offensive line should be way better. Way better. It really should be. So I don't think that that's even, well, we'll see, but it should at least be average. Chris Blake, the Florida transfer. You have uh, Matthew Bergeron, who, who was promising last season. Eric you have Heckle back. Heckle back from injury. The offensive line should be a lot better. And, uh, and you get your Jordan as your running back. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome. Taj Harris showed a lot of promise. Christian now, Jackson, Christian's, that's a big loss. It is a big loss. Because now that, that to me is the biggest question mark for this team. Who steps up as the number one receiver? Last year, Harris looked incapable. Nikeem Johnson well, he was, MIA. was camouflaged the whole year. Non-existent. So there's really no reason to be confident in this receivers group other than that you're buying into Dino Babers yeah. as a coach. That's never been a problem. Which you should be. But last year it was kind of a problem. You had one guy. One guy only. Sean Riley was your third leading receiver. I mean, last year the receiving core was not good. Yeah, so it's not got great. To, they've got to find a way to, and you'd figure it would, but hey, last year we were saying all offseason for Tommy to work with these receivers did not come through whatsoever. Him and Taj Harris were never on the same page. So you can sit here and say the same thing this year, but it didn't, yep. it didn't work last year. Yeah, the receivers are a concern. Watch out for that tight end group, though. Luke Benson, especially, is someone who who 
is quick and a good receiving tight end. So I'll be interested to see if he can step it up. Coming up next, everyone's favorite segment. It's Fizz Feedback on Fizz Radio. Back in a moment. One more segment to go on Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Gil Gross, Jonathan Hoppy. It's time for Fizz Feedback. Let's jump right into it. The first one, how long will this winning streak last? It's currently at four games. The options were five, six, and seven or more. Funny, I tweeted this. Never put out four games, which would mean they lose to Pitt. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Yeah, you really... Uh... No one replied, though. And as we know, people tend to respond to us at Orange Fizz on Twitter, and we hope you do as well. The results are close, but most people are saying six games, which would mean... I think five. You think five. That would mean they beat Pitt, lose to Clemson. Clemson. I, I don't see them going 5-0 and on the road in the conference. Which is fine. That would be pretty wild. That would be incredible. To win six games ahead of Duke, that is best-case scenario. 31% though say seven or more. So, <laughs> uh, If you can't do the math, that means they beat Duke next weekend. People are drinking the fizz. All the orange fizz. Good for business, I guess. Yep, great for business. The next one is, uh, is football. And back to... Back to uh, Zach Arnett, who fled to Mississippi State after 13. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> you know, there was... It's like a Star Wars episode, <laughs> but defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, there was a very, very funny tweet. And uh, I would credit where it was from, but I don't remember. But uh, it said, Zach Arnett goes to Syracuse. Syracuse has weather. Zach Arnett goes south. You really find those, well, coming from San Diego, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Because they don't have weather. Right. You think you think he came up here and snow scared him off? I sure hope not. <laughs> Let's just say that much. <laughs> However, it almost scared me off. Yeah. Well, there you go. You see? All right. How bummed were you when Zach Arnett jumped ship? That's the question that we posed to Fizz Nation on Twitter. The options were very on to the next and eh, don't care. I'll be honest, I'm in the very grouping. Oh, me too. Very bummed. I think that was such a good match, and it felt like a good get for Babers. He got his guy an up-and-comer of sorts, and now it's just not the case. I think uh, this is this is a tough situation, and we're going to have to see how they bounce back. But I would say very bummed when Arnett literally jumped ship. Just after boarding. 44% of you agree with Hop that they were very bummed. And I'm in the same camp. I mean, this is a guy, we didn't even mention his age. I mean, this this was a young, bright football mind who played a Clearly perfect Mike system. Clearly Mike Leach thought so. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big program for Think a guy that, that age. Too. Mike Leach, an offensive style guy, the air raid system. He brings in this hot shot to run his defense. Mike Leach is an offensive coach. In the SEC, Zach Arnett is responsible for coaching the defense. Yeah, I mean, that just means he's good right then and there. And now, 
We'll see. We'll see what route Syracuse takes. Do they look for someone else? This is a big hire. Yeah, a big cycle. They're not really winning in the recruiting. They're not winning on the field. You've got to get someone who's going to help set the culture with Dino Babers. Do you think they look for someone else with a nickel defense? You would think. It does get make a lot of sense. Get away from that Tampa 2-4-3 scheme. The Tampa 2 was a bit of a disaster because there was too much pressure on the linebackers, and it was just never a position group for Syracuse that was strong. Well, it was for one year, and what happened that year? Ten wins with Franklin and Bennett. Farewell, Zach Arnett. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> was for it like twenty seconds? Was it nice knowing him? No, it wasn't. Let's go with that. All right, catch us same time, same place next week on Fizz Radio. Thanks for listening. As always, spending your Saturday morning with us. Enjoy the game, everyone. <laughs>